Hi everyone! Left to our own devices, the conference may be over, but you can still watch the recording at cybellum.com conference. Tune in to listen to FDA updates from FDA executives themselves, learn about AI in automotive from NVIDIA, the AI leader, and listen to product security leaders from Philips, Honeywell, CISA, and more. Go to cybellum.com conference and watch the recording for free. See you at the next event! Hi, this is David. And this is Shlomi. And you've tuned into Left to Our Own Devices, the product security podcast. So our guest today is Jacob Combs, a VP of Cybersecurity at Tandem Diabetes Care. Jacob is, uh, to use his own words, an expert in strategic cybersecurity leadership and risk management for products that change the world. Uh, a veteran technology and security leader with a focus on protecting and advancing critical infrastructure sectors across the globe, Jacob has held key positions at, among others, Insulet, Boeing, Qualcomm, and currently Tandem. We are very excited to have him on the show today uh, and learn from his experiences. Uh, Jacob, welcome. Thank you for having me. So a question we always begin with, you had a very interesting journey into cybersecurity. How did this come about? What led you to product cybersecurity leadership? That's a great question. So my entry was a little bit, I would say, unconventional, but also conventional at the same time. So it started back when I left college. My first sort of technical job was working as a service desk technician um, at a large hospital system. And this role was really my gateway to understanding, you know, various elements like operating systems, applications, networks, different services, and how they're sort of woven together um, to form the backbone of modern business. Um, this is really where I also developed my troubleshooting and communication skills, which when I look back at it, was actually really crucial to my career development. Um, and one of the, the aspects of that role was my real deep interest in applications. And so I, my next steps in my career actually took me into software development roles. And this was when I was working at um, really large-scale infrastructure companies, working on you know telecommunications, um, defense, things like this. And this is also where I experienced my uh, really first cybersecurity incident. And really, to me, it was fascinating as we kind of stepped through and uncovered what this person had done, just the, the absolute cleverness and ingenuity that was involved in that attack. And that is what actually steeped my interest in cybersecurity. And from that point, my career took a, a very sharp turn into security, pretty much focused the, the entire time and working in information security, you know, the IT kind of side of it at different companies, the financial institutions and real estate companies. Then I got this opportunity to actually use my software development and application interest to take on a product security role um, at a medical device company. And that seemed like a very natural progression, but it was an opportunity for me to go from what I saw as like a cost center to actually driving the business forward. And that was a, something I didn't want to lose sight of. And really, it was more just than auditing and implementing security measures, but also about really building security into a product. And it really challenged me, not only to utilize my knowledge and skills that I'd gained over my career, but also be more creative and really help the business um, improve itself. And it really it made it very exciting for me. And it was a very, probably the most fulfilling step I've had in my career. Yeah, I can imagine going from uh, aerospace and infrastructure to a medical device company. I, I feel the same way, by the way, because my, my own journey took me also through 
working for several uh, Fortune 500 companies and then going on to the vendor side and IT security and then into uh, protecting the consumer, let's say consumer products, uh, vehicles, medical devices, and so on. And Shlomi always tells me that he feels the same way, that it's, it's so much nicer being able to protect medical devices than nothing wrong with Netflix, but then let's say in a net, Netflix server, for example. You know, and it, it just gives us a, that much more of a good feeling about what we're doing. So uh, maybe you can tell us um, how you built the product security practice at Tandem when you came in and what is your main goal as the VP of cybersecurity? One thing I will say, and I'll kind of highlight what you just, just mentioned, is that I actually feel very fortunate to be able to work in, in the medical device industry uh, and know that to be able to work on products that actually make an absolute difference in people's lives is something that I have a lot of gratitude for. And I, I appreciate that fact every day. And it really, even going through tough days at the office, it really makes a little big difference to be able to do that. But so, so at Tandem, this is actually true for my previous company as well. Really, it was not really, I don't have necessarily a blueprint for how I build product security and what I do, but it's more of a a philosophy for how I approach it. And it it goes back to what I I was kind of mentioning before. It's, It's really about understanding what you're working on, right? And so the first thing for me was, okay, what's what's the industry? What are the specifics of this industry? You know, what are the, the key threats involved here and the regulatory frameworks that really govern our operations? And and then it was about assessing and understanding the company and it's the teams involved, right? So the risk appetite the company has, the maturity of various processes like software development, um, project management, legal IT, their operations. And this is really fundamental to help building a strategy for implementing effective product security. And the really the second part of this is what I find is the most key. It's that you have to really immerse yourself in both the technical and business aspects of the product. And it comes from, uh, I think, three different perspectives, I think, is the most important to have and how I approach this. The first one is as you're, you essentially become a product manager for security for that product. So you have to understand the market needs in terms of security and also the right timing and the right implementation that will be effective for that product. And then the second one is then is that the kind of building on that is the architect role. So now you okay, you understand what your product needs and how it's going to work in the environment. How are you going to build this in and make it work across the different various components of the system and still be functional enough to be to function, especially as a medical device? Its safety is like the biggest concern. How do you make it secure but still maintain safety? And then the third one is really this idea of a quality engineer, right? You have to be a really strong tester. One, you have to make sure that the features you develop are secure, you're accessing the overall security of the product, and then really looking to find any weaknesses you can in that, especially over the development lifecycle. And those three roles, I mean, in some companies, in some areas, that may be one person doing all of that, or maybe three distinct roles or different different teams even. But those are really the key functions I see you need to have you need to have to build a robust product security function. Yeah. Nice. I found it really, really interesting because I think, uh, you know, you meet a lot of people who are security experts and they may come from IT or other areas and they really try to use the knowledge they already have. But I think this approach that you talked about of coming from the product and understanding the market and the business side first and then building the security around it is is so simple on, on the one hand, but 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 not as common as we would expect. So I uh, find really interesting. So Jacob, we, we met recently at a conference uh, and, you, and you mentioned the fact that 
your product portfolio at Tandem is a bit different from other manufacturers. And I found that interesting because you have a few products uh, on the one hand, but a large ecosystem around it on the other hand. So can you talk a little bit about that challenge of securing an ecosystem versus just a lot of products and how you tackle it at Tandem? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you're pointing this out because when I refer to ecosystem in this context, it's in the context of medical devices. So typical for these environments, there's the medical device itself, which is typically some small embedded device, which has you know Bluetooth or some kind of USB connectivity or even Wi-Fi at times. And then a lot of times, at least in my instance, there's a the, the idea of a controller, which is typically a mobile application or some small device you can hold in your hand that will tell that embedded device what to do or how to how to give you provide your therapy. And then lastly, there's a backend system, you know, cloud, usually typically you know, stored and managed in the cloud, which provides uh, authorization, authentication, as well as data and, you know, some configuration management, this kind of backend services you need to help manage your device in the field. And one of the challenges is that the embedded device itself is usually the dumbest part of the entire, dumbest, I mean, the least, least computing and memory and, um, you know, processing capability. So you have to really, how do you secure that device, which is limited capabilities, that has access to a mobile device, which can have a tremendous amount of commuting capabilities and communication is meant to be on the internet, essentially. And then your backend cloud systems where you have lots of data, which is a huge target of a, you know, a lot of the attackers out there. And Really, the the challenge that I've seen is managing across this entire platform, given the you know complexities of handling encryption keys, certificates, or sensitive data over a multi-year life cycle of these devices. Right, the landscape is constantly changing with threats, techniques, and vulnerabilities. And how do you handle and manage updates and do that right? And, and a lot of the focus I think I've seen from regulators and from you know, different, even some of the different partner companies we work with is how we manage that life cycle over the long term, right? And that, that to me is actually the biggest challenge. There's this, we talked about earlier in architect and how you see how this is implemented and how it's going to work over its entire life cycle, but then actually managing it and keeping it up to date and over this chain evolving landscape is to me the biggest challenge. And the way I've approached that is just like I approached managing IT and software in my career, right? The same way. How do you build in resilience? How do you make sure you have strong operations and you have the right teams in place and people that are able to focus on operations, but also focus on engineering so they're not overlapping each other and taking off, taking away from their attention, right? That's really, it's to me, it's been just a a function of my experience in IT and building that capability in, and also the um, organizational structure needed to put in place to, to do it as well. And this is where I kind of one of the almost the my experience kind of of in IT and software development um, kind of ble- where it bleeds into what I call product security is you need to have this experience with developing products, which is typically software focused, but then you also need to have this larger scale IT experience for how you run and manage large scale systems, and it's the marrying of the two that happens in product security. It's, frankly, it's very fascinating and very, very kind of fun to kind of tackle the challenges that come up with this over time. That's going to be our soundbite for the promotion of this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, <I agree. laughs> right there. It says exactly what product security is. Yeah, yeah it really does. Excellent. Excellent. So it, it's interesting also that you mentioned uh, the lifetime of a, of a product because, you know, when, when the FDA talks about post market uh, security, it, it's interesting to understand what does that mean exactly? Because 
some companies, and I, and I know that uh, it's probably not meant to be this way, but I'm sure that they are like in the IT world, they will run certain devices uh, even after they go out of um, support, let's say. <laughs> but the question is whether or not, and, and this is something that I, I don't think we any of us know the answer right now, later on down the road when the FDA says post-market, will that mean that we will have to worry about also those devices or you know, at the point where the medical device manufacturer says, hey, there's no more support for this device, then they don't have to worry about it anymore. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be interesting to see. So I think over the last two years, we've been on a bit of a roller coaster of um, compliance, right? We had the um, executive order by President Biden. We had the omnibus bill and, and like a culmination with uh, the FDA pre- pre-market guidance that came out in September. So can you share with us how this impacts your work and what measures are you taking to meet with all of these requirements? <laughs> yeah, you. what you said is kind of an understatement. I've spent more time with legal and with regulatory in the past few years than I, I care, to, care to repeat here, frankly, just talking about these different functions in it. And actually, it's it's starting to play into our risk management as well. Like we, we honestly treat some of the regulations and some of the consequences from not complying with those almost as, as threats in a way, right? Or at least business impacts that we have if we, if we don't do it. And it's becoming more complex to manage, especially on, even on a global scale. It's becoming more complex. And really, I I do see a lot of focus on uh, risk management and a lot of focus on how doing a better job at assessing your risk and communicating those and managing those. And I've actually spent a lot of time doing that in the past few years, doing my best. And that's where I think those communication skills I gained as a service desk technician come into play. If I'm able to explain why a computer's not working to a very busy cardiologist, I think I can explain what you know, the high level company risks are um, from cybersecurity tax to medical devices or even to our IT systems. Really, what what I think to kind of go back to what you said about about post-market too, and this is where I think I see most of the risk coming into play, is that we have these devices that we designed three years ago that are now under attacks that are happening today that may or may not have the right encryption in place, may, may, may have something that's already been cracked, may have some technique that's been proven to be you know, ineffective at, at, at safeguarding information, but then even with the whole push on the SBOM side, right? Like what libraries are you using that were there three years ago that have been, oh, whoops, they've actually been under attack for three years. We just now only found out, right? And just, I think there was something recently about NXP that said that they had someone in their network for two years <laughs> before they found out, right? right? So what, when are those things going to come up? And that's another sort of risk we're having to look at is how are we managing our third party and supplier risk? Really what it's about though is it kind of again going back to that the experience I have and really how do you build robustness and resilience into your products to maintain them over the long term and that is something you know that the FDA guidance came out and they put a lot of emphasis and it seemed a lot of people talk about the increased prescriptiveness around risk assessments and risk management. But the thing that stuck out the most to me is I know how difficult this is to manage is that post-market long-term, you know, security posture over time. Like, how do you really keep this thing secure as it's in the field, especially a dumb device that has no real connectivity that you can make it easily updatable? So you have to design that and build that into the process. And that's something the FDA, especially as you go to get your medical devices on the market, they look for that. Like, how how strong is your updatability, your patchability? Are you really what are your processes you have in place to manage and monitor that over time? And that's something you have to 
that at least that I put a big focus on is making sure you have that in place, that really sort of a, a team and a group that's really focused on the resilience of just your medical device, you know, ecosystem. You, you and we together. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> That's definitely. I think you you hit the nail in the head. There is is probably one of the biggest uh, challenges everyone is talking about. So, if I can move on to a personal question, we also always like like to ask, and I'm very curious to hear your response. What is the most hard to believe, you would say, or exciting moment you've had in your career so far? You know, I've I've thought about this uh, quite a few times in my in my career, I guess, and what has really happened. And, and to be honest. It really hasn't been really filled with many blockbuster moments. And fr- frankly, I think that's very fortunate given the you know career path I've chosen. I, I don't want to have too much excitement, right? And it really in the realm of a medical device, a quiet day is a good day is the way I put it. And that's actually one of the challenges with being in security is that if you're doing your job well, it will be quiet. There'll be nothing happening, right? And you, and you can... That, that's sort of the proof that you're doing a good job or you're just lucky, you know, sometimes. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to communicate. But one thing I will say, and this is, it's exciting in its own way, but it's really just an insight I have had in the, in the past few years here. It's, it's, and this is really particularly for, for people who are passionate about security. Um, and it's really this idea of getting over imposter syndrome, right? It's the importance of believing in your own skills and abilities. You know, the cybersecurity is vast and continually evolving, and it's easy to really fall prey to that idea. And I think a lot of times we, we idolize people who are really, and I'm not saying this is bad, but if you're, you feel like you're not doing the right things, if you're not breaking ground, new ground in cryptography or uncovering major vulnerabilities with the biggest, you know, hacker out there, but you're not making significant amp- impact, but that is not the truth at all. I think what, what I found most fulfilling and in a way, in my own way, it's exciting is this realization that my instinct and my general knowledge can profoundly influence security posture of an organization. And by extension, I think, especially in medical device, the world, right? We do a lot to help that. And we nearly need more people to have faith in their abilities and be committed to driving security into products and systems. And this is where the real impactful change happens. And so while I don't really have a single standout moment that happened in my career, I really find it excitement in this daily process of learning, improving, and, and knowing that these small contributions I make are part of a much larger and crucial effort in securing the, you know, the products and services our people use and keeping people safe. And so that's really been what does it for me. Right. Such a great answer. I love it. Yeah, I think I think what I'm hearing there is uh, make sure that you have a solid base. Make sure you take care of the basics. Make sure that on a day-to-day basis you are covering all of the ground that you can cover. Don't try to you know look for the things that you're not able to find because you're going to spend a lot of time just running around in circles doing that. And uh, the the importance of having that strong base is really critical. And uh, you know, the day-to-day flow of the information throughout the process from design to post-market and making sure everybody is in sync, I think uh, that's really, uh, really critical. And I think that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And, and really that small things matter, right? Even the small mundane things you think are not really exciting, they, they matter to the, you know, overall security posture a lot of the time. So, Yeah. We've seen it recently in world events where you can have the best security systems in the world, and yet if you don't pay attention to some of the little things, you end up with uh, problems. So on that note, <laughs> what tips and tricks can you provide product security teams going into 2024? So I thought about this a bit too, and there, there's, there's quite a few, I think. And 
it, it kind of goes back to the way I've been been speaking the entire time here. So first for me, for product security especially, it, it's absolutely crucial to get involved early in the design process. And I say design specifically because that's what I mean. It, the idea of shift left has been here a long time, but really being a part of the conversation from the get-go at even at the you know idea conception and influencing the product's security posture is foundational to me. It's it's extremely important to get that, make sure that happens, especially in a product security role. Influencing and designing up front is much better than bolting on or trying to fix a feature or, you know, especially patching in the field, right? It's much better to do that way and will actually drive a much more significant security posture for the product itself and gain influence, frankly. The, ne- the next one I'll say is uh, it's important to me too. And this I've seen this at multiple of my partner companies as well as um, some companies I advise in the past is testing early and often as much as you possibly can. And this is against your requirements, your features, all kinds of tests. So go through the FDA pre-market guidance. They list out the tests they require. Just doing all of those as much as possible. And then the second part of that, that I see is automation, is automating as much of that as well to make it as painless and as easy to do and easy to comply with, right? There's, there's the, there used to be this idea of guardrails, and now I think it's become this idea of a paved road. So you make it the, the easiest path to follow is the most secure, is the, the kind of mantra I, I follow. And I've really spent a lot of time getting in early, making sure we're testing it effectively and automating as much as I possibly can. And then on top of that automation, the other step I take, and this is something I found that's been really, really helpful, is leaning on existing frameworks, right, to drive these test cases and to make sure you have a complete set. And organizations like OWASP provide a significant amount of valuable testing resources that can tell you exactly what you should be doing, especially around the world of mobile applications and APIs. There's there's quite a bit there. And then then the last one I'll say, and this one is probably the, the most dear to me, and this is what I think is one of the most important, is really about communication, particularly with management. It's extremely important that you take the time to articulate the value of product security program using metrics by earning certifications, by highlighting regulatory clearances or, you know, how you've been able to meet these demands of regulators. Um, It's really essential they understand the importance of your work and not just in terms of security, but also contribute the contribution to the overall success of the company and the product itself. And so that one to me, it's like the most, most important as that actually drives further investment in in further influence and in how the you know security posture of the product goes into the world. Well <laughs> incredible. Well you said I, it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Um, I've learned a lot and, and one thing that really sticks out in my mind is what you said you've been involved in, in the last two years, in addition to the compliance and all the meetings with the with the compliance people and the regulatory uh, experts, I guess, inside of the company is the risk management. And and that's something that we're seeing a lot more as well. It's something that seems to be, you know, like uh, taking hold, especially because of not only time to market, but being able to get the products to market, making sure that they pass through the FDA without uh, getting hit. What's it called? Refuse to accept. <laughs> yeah, um, right. the, you don't get the hit with that button. And, and that you can, you can also look at, uh, I guess, from a bird's eye view, uh, all of the products that you have and, and really build a, a very good risk model based on what the compliance looks like, what the cyber um, security posture looks like, and of course the need to manage SBOMs and, and uncover and monitor vulnerabilities into the future. So I think that's uh, that's something we're hearing as well and, and 
it's interesting to hear it from you. I guess with that, uh, it's been a really, really interesting conversation. And uh, I think, we've, you know, for both in the name of Shlomi and myself, and I'm sure Shlomi will say it too, <laughs> um, we want to thank you for being on the show. Great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. Left to Our Own Devices is brought to you by Cybellum. To learn more, visit cybellum.com. Cybellum.com.